Hi, and a happy, happy, happy Wednesday to you. I hope that your week is feeling a little more maybe normal this week and that you're back in the swing of things, loving, living, living, loving. How's that for a super warm welcome? I hope it was sufficient. Um, If you've been following along and listening to every single podcast episode, you may have heard episode 100 where I had my husband Jason on to chat about the retail shop that we own together and what our life was like in those days compared to now. If you haven't heard, you can go back and listen to episode 100 after you listen to this one, of course. The whole story that we told is really, for me, the why of everything that I'm doing now in my business and I've just been reflecting a lot on that lately um, because in doing so, it's really helping me to find clarity and purpose in going forward. And I've also had the opportunity this month to be working with Sarah Gio, who is a VIP member. She launched a new coaching program and she's been helping me this month in a similar way. And so one of the things that we're going to talk about today is your purpose and your purpose story and how to share that with your customers and your ideal clients. This month on the podcast and in the VIP group, the theme and the focus is Y-O-U and the stories that you tell yourself as, as well as the stories that you tell others as you show up in the world. So last week on the podcast, we talked with Christy Sigelski. Yay, I said her last name right this time. And we were talking all about including stories and you in the emails that you send. This week, I have a super duper special treat for you, which I'm going to get to in a minute, about the four kinds of stories that you need in your business and that you should be sharing. We also have a really great VIP workshop, which is actually taking place tomorrow, Thursday, July 15th, and it's going to be... uh, given by Christina Granaham, who's been a guest on my show. She's going to come in and talk about the Enneagram and the stories that we tell ourselves and the stories that we tell to others as we show up uh, as who we are. So if you're not yet part of the VIP group, this workshop is one of the many things that we offer in there and that we have going on as a member perk. And it's not too late to join actually and get in on tomorrow's workshop. If you're listening to this on Wednesday, just go to shebuiltthis.org and register and I will make sure you have all the details you need to get in on Thursday's workshop. We're also this month cracking open some of your stories in the VIP group. And I just really encourage you to dive in and join us if you're ready to sit at the table with other like-minded entrepreneurs and individuals who wanna go a little bit deeper and provide a support system for one another as they grow their business. The price on the VIP group, just as an FYI, is going up on September 1st, so I highly encourage you to get in while the getting is good. It's just $2.50 a year right now, and that breaks down to $0.68 a day. You can also pay uh, monthly for $25 a month if you prefer a monthly option. Next week on the podcast, we're going to hear from Jasmine Haley, who will be chatting with me about your vision and scaling and growing your business based on your individual vision and the purpose that you, the impact that you want to have in the world. But today, let's focus on today, 
shall we? Today's guest is Kendra Hall, a professional storyteller who teaches leaders, executives, and entrepreneurs across countless industries to harness and leverage the power of their stories. Her book, Stories That Stick, which I highly recommend reading, debuted at number two on the Wall Street Journal bestseller list, and Forbes said it may be the most valuable business book that you read. In 2020, she became the chief storytelling officer of Success Magazine, where she interviews icons like Deepak Chopra and Misty Copeland in an effort to hear and share their stories of success. And Kendra's new book, Choose Your Story, Change Your Life, is now available for pre-order on Amazon. You can check it out there. I'll make sure to include links in the show notes. I just bought mine and she is going to get into what that book is about in this episode also. We talk about why stories and storytelling are so important, how to tap into the stories that are within you and how to share them, four business stories that you need to be telling, how to become more effective and compelling through storytelling, all about her new book, and a lot more. It was a fantastic conversation. Kendra is based out of New York City with her and lives with her husband and two children and her book Stories That Stick like I said I highly recommend it it's a must read I am so beyond honored to have her as my guest today and I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation so as I often say buckle up Welcome to the She Built This podcast, where we are sharing the stories of professionals and entrepreneurs who are on a mission to create the new norm by following their dreams and making them a reality. I'm your host, Emily Aborn, and together we are inspiring, growing, and giving you the tools you need to bring ideas to life so you can build whatever this means for you. Hi, Kendra, and welcome to the She Built This podcast. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me, Emily. I told you before we started recording, I am so super excited to have you. I think I got your book. I mean, it would have been as soon as it came out, and in my head, that was two years ago, but wow. time time has been a little bit of a vortex the past two <laughs> year and a half, so I don't really know when it was. It's true. It's <laughs> but I, true. Um, so when did your book first come out? It came out uh, September 2019. So yeah, just about two years ago. Okay, there we go. See, I'm not as bad as I thought. Um, So I read your bio before you joined us, but I'd love to hear, as I always love to hear in your own words, who you are and what you do. Oh, well, that's a good, I mean, that's a, it's a weighted question if you think about it. I am Kendra Hall. My expertise is in the power of storytelling, how we can use stories in our business and in our lives. I am a keynote speaker, um, an author, I have a podcast, and I also have two kids and an awesome husband and a dog. So, Wow, that about sums it up, I guess. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> So I love storytelling. I love, you know, using my podcast for storytelling and I'm also a content writer. So I'm always looking for more ways to bring it in, which is what really drew me to reading the book. Um, And one story in your book is about how one story of a story is that how when you were 11 years old, you told your first story. Yeah. So I'd love for you to take us back to that moment. Tell us what that story was and how it shaped you to what you do today. 
You know, I was, it was an assignment for fifth grade. We were supposed to choose a children's book. So it wasn't even my story. It was just a, a kid book um, that I picked off the shelf. And it was right at the very end of the school year. And my kids are at the end of the school year right now. It's kind of a distracted time. Um, we're all just waiting for the year to be done. And um, it was also, I think, intended to be like a first attempt at public speaking, which I appreciate that my teacher valued that and encouraged us to practice that skill. So we were to learn a children's book or read a children's book to a third grade classroom. So on the day that I was supposed to go read it, we went in pairs. So I went with a classmate of mine and she went first. And it was at the end of the day, you know, third graders were already pretty distracted and she sat down and read them the book, I'll Like You Forever, I'll Love You For Always, As Long As I'm Living My Baby You'll Be. Uh, I don't know the actual title of the book, but it was pretty new at the time and now it's like mandatory reading for any woman who has a child. She's definitely gifted like 10 copies of that book. But when you're a third grader and listening to someone read it to you, it is not very interesting. So she, I, like by the time she finished, the third graders were just out of their minds. They weren't sitting still. They were bouncing off the walls and I still had to go. Oh dear. Another <laughs> little pressure. This is not going to go. This is going to be the worst, like, 20 pages of my life. Um, and so I decided to put the book down and just tell the story uh, because I've been practicing it. And so I, I pretty much knew it. And I told the story and I remember I can still picture the classroom and I was standing up instead of sitting down and the kids were sitting on the floor in front of me and um, they were all just staring at me. Every, every set of eyes was like glued to me. And, you know, when you're in fifth grade, you're also kind of trying to figure out, you know, it's that it's like the year before everything gets really awkward. And, and as a precursor to the inevitable awkwardness, it's awkward in its own way. And I, I just never had so many eyes on me and like wanting to hear, you know, and feeling like, confident and that I had something to share with them, even though it was some silly children's book. Um, and I knew in that moment that maybe I was onto something or, or I guess probably at its basic level, I was like, well, I want more of this. How, <laughs> how do I get more of this instead of always feeling like I'm fighting for attention or fighting to and so what ended up happening for the rest of the school year was I didn't go back to the classroom. I went and told that story in every single classroom in the school. I was on tour. and oh, That's and hilarious. <laughs> and then they had me, they would like have me come back. Once I was in high school and had my driver's license every spring, I went back to the school and taught storytelling lessons to the elementary school kids. And so I think really it was my first time witnessing. And of course my, my work has, has changed over time, but it was my first time really witnessing the captivating power of a story and, and 
you know, how you can use that power to, for good would be A, number one, but B, to get some of the things that maybe you want and have been struggling to get otherwise. So that was the beginning for me. Wow. So I do want to know if you knew, like if you definitely knew in that moment that this was going to play some part in your future or or what you wanted to be when you grew up, just because I'm curious. I definitely, I remember, and and I can't remember if I knew it or if my mom has since told the story and made me know it, you know, like, but, but I certainly know that I could tell that I was good at some, that I was good at it. And, um, and that, you know, you're drawn to do things you're good at. So, so I really kept telling stories all through middle school. I would like tell stories at Bible school, vacation Bible school. And I would tell stories at my friends, kids, sisters, birthday parties, And then in high school, I was on the speech team. So it was kind of this thing that followed me around, not necessarily, oh, I'm going to turn this into a business because entrepreneurship just wasn't um, in my life. I I had no role models for that. uh, So it wasn't even a a thought. But as time went on, it kept following me, uh, stories did, and, and opportunities just kept popping up. And so eventually I had to surrender and be like, all right, I guess this is what I'm doing because it won't leave me alone. So why do you think, I mean, I agree with you. There is so much power in a story and I know it's a little bit of a quote unquote, like social media buzzword right now. And I want to get into that too. But why do you think as human beings that we are so drawn to a good story? Like what is the magic about stories that gets people to pay attention? I mean, I think it's there, there are a lot of reasons on all different levels, but biologically speaking and evolutionarily, <laughs> you can tell I use very official terms, but just speaking in uh, terms of evolution, the human's ability to tell stories about, you know, oh, there's a, there's a group of lions over there. And, you know, like that was, and, and don't eat these berries because you'll be sick for a week or, you know, that was how we were able to create communities and tribes and thrive as a species, really. So on its very fundamental level, it is programmed into us. So buzzword or not, I've had, it's so funny because I've been, I don't know, I've been talking about in a professional sense, storytelling for like seven years-ish, I suppose, seven, eight years. And since the very beginning, it's like, oh, storytelling, that's a buzzword. And I'm like, all right, well, we're going on the better part of a decade here. So let's just keep going. But but that's where like it isn't, um, it's one of those things that is part of who we are. Um, and you know, whether it's getting attention in, on social media or whatever, doesn't negate the fact that humans want to hear stories and that's how we learn. And that's how we make sense of the world around us. And ultimately that's how we make sense of, of our own lives and, and our place in it. 
Um, yeah, you know what? I'm really glad you said that about the buzzword because my my feeling about that was in relation to social media. But you're right. It's like, okay, it might be a buzzword, but we're also, it still works. It's, <laughs> so I really, really like that. Um, yeah. I just wanted to, yeah. People stop talking about it, but it's not going to change the fact that humans need stories, like that we right. are storytellers. It, that won't change. So how do you think, um, you know, I'm sure a lot of people come to you with this question, like, how do I get better at telling stories? And do you think some people are just naturally better at it than others? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think in all things, there are people are naturally better at things than other people, right? Like, my husband can walk into the kitchen and make something decent, on any given day and I can walk in and look around and go to my app and order and delivery. Like I just, like, you know, like it's just, that's how it is. I do think that, um, so whether people, what was the first part of the question? Not or Oh yeah. How can we get better at it? So how can we get better? Yeah. So the first, and it may sound strange, but the first step, and it's really the reason, a big reason I wrote the book was simply awareness, to raise awareness, to go beyond the buzzword and raise awareness to people who are going about their lives and and especially those, because Stories That Stick is a business book, especially those who are in sales, who are in marketing, who have a leadership role of any kind who are, who are members of their community, who have nonprofit um, ambitions or even, yeah, even social media accounts to be aware that when the, the stories are all around us and to draw attention to the fact of that stories are working on you, whether you've accepted that stories have value or not, right? Like these are, so the first step to getting better at telling stories is being aware of the storied world that we live in. Um, and, and all of a sudden, once, once you have that awareness, it becomes a lot more clear where you're like, oh, that was a story. And I felt something about that. And, oh, that, that was just, information like what's the difference between when that person gets up and tells me something and when that person gets up and tells me something and being aware of the role of story in in that difference is the first step at getting better because then you become a student of of why it's working um so yeah, and and I think having that lens on, you're able to see which ones work and which ones don't work, and it helps you to find your own stories and your own voice through that too. And that was actually exactly my next point. Is then that awareness leads to, because even though in fifth grade I was reading a children's book, obviously what I do now is encourage people to tell their own like real life stories, not necessarily folk tales or fairy tales or read children's books. Um, and a big inhibitor to that is people thinking they don't have a story to tell. I don't have any stories. No one would want to hear my stories. Um, but once you've gone through the process of awareness, then all of a sudden you will start to, it'll be easier for you to see 
the stories within your own life, even either the stories that have happened to you previously, or as a more advanced technique, the stories that are happening right there in the moment. Let's talk about the the stories in stories that stick that you recommend people can start using now. So you talk about four different kinds of stories. Do you want to share what those are? Because I think that's a really, I think identifying what those four kinds are is a way to get great at storytelling, like knowing, oh my gosh, I have this story in me. Yep, exactly. So of course, um, the four types of stories, and these are the four types of stories that we need in business. Um, The first one is the value stories. So these are the stories that are illustrating the value of what it is you have to offer. Think about um, sales and marketing. These are, these are the stories that you need. So instead of saying, I have this pen that does this, this, and this, you can tell the story of the woman who writes, you know, who is fearful to write her first book and wrote the whole thing in this particular pen before typing it in before publishing the book. And now it's a bestseller, right? So it's like this, it's not about the ink and the, function of the pen, but rather a story that the pen was a part of. Um, so those- I think Apple, like Apple's a great example. They do a really good job of bringing you into their value story, you know, as an mm-hmm. Apple user, this is what you'll experience and feel. Exactly. Like they, one of the, there's an Apple ad I talk about in the book and I can't watch that ad without getting a tear in my eye. And it's just about this family together at Christmas and this teenage boy who seems completely despondent. And then Christmas day, he like gets up in front of the whole family and turns on the TV and he actually hasn't been distracted by his phone the whole time, which is what you think he's doing. He's just distracted by his phone. He's been filming and then editing together a video capturing the moments of their Christmas together. And everybody starts crying and I start crying and it's like, it's a phone, you know, like it has buttons and, but they didn't say, and Apple has done it where they've been like, now our phone can do this and now our phone can do that. And certainly there's always room for those messages, but Yeah, anytime you can take what you do and tell a story about what that means in someone's life, um, that's a value story. Okay, so that's the value story. So let's move on to the other the other three. Second story is the founder's story. And this is the story that is really important for entrepreneurs, small business owners. Um, independent contractors, freelancers, anyone who is, when you hear people talking about building a brand um, and it's based on an individual or, you know, like the CEO is an important part of it, the founder story is going to be a really important piece of your story strategy. And the founder story is simply, well, and that's, so, well, the founder story, there's there's something else I want to say about the founder story, but the founder story is simply one or many, that's what, it's an easier way of saying it, stories of how and why the company or the product or the service came to be. Like, uh, for example, 
I was talking to a, a woman I know who was getting married and she was trying to find a wedding photographer and she was going through all these websites, all these websites and you know, uh, all the photos, they, they, they were looking the same, I guess. And she's like, how do I find someone that I really, that I know is really going to care about these photos? And she came across this woman and read her my story tab and it was a story about this photographer and how the very first pictures she remembers taking were with her grandmother and her grandmother's love for film and how they would watch the they would watch the like they would for some reason the photographs had to I feel like my grandparents had this we had to project them up on a screen you wouldn't necessarily always just hold them you know they were like little projectors and and she said she remembered being at family gatherings and everyone looking at the photos and and what a beautiful thing it was to hear the stories of the relatives that had gone before her and um and that's what she sees every time she's looking through the lens as she's thinking about you know what who will look at these photos generations to come and my friend read that and was like done you i want you uh, because, you know, anytime, anytime in business, you have a customer looking for a solution and they're trying to find the thing that is right for them. We think that we have to make that. We think that those decisions happen based on logic, but they really don't. They happen based on feeling and emotion. So if you're somebody who just started a company or your company has been around for a really long time you should definitely be paying attention to, okay, so what is the actual story we're telling about where this whole thing started? And the and, and I totally agree with you that there can be more than one and, and sort of telling it in different ways. So like your story at the beginning, that was essentially a founder story, but I'm sure there's more parts to that story as you keep going through your journey. Exactly. Um, yeah. And those are like honestly some of my favorite. I could hang out in Founder Storyville all day long. All right? <laughs> it's just the most fun to tell and to create that connection with people where they're like, oh, I can see myself in that too. Or I was like that too when I was a kid, you know? Exactly. So. And it just, and it's, it's the fast track to, I mean, that connection is what successful business is all about. And the Founder Story is the fast track to making that connection happen. Yeah, I love it. Okay, what's the third one? Uh, the third one is the purpose story. And the purpose story is, I like to call it like the all-purpose story because there's it has a lot of different uses. It shows up in a lot of different ways. But, but one of the ways to think about a purpose story, it's really effective in um, leadership and company alignment and communicating um, – values, whether they're personal or company-wide. Purpose story is when you take some of that high level, we believe in this and this and this, or, you know, whatever it is. And when somebody just gets up and reads the mission statement and nobody cares, like nobody cares about you reciting a bunch of elegant copy. But if you were to tell a story of one aspect of that mission statement and when you saw it in action, um, that really means a lot to 
the members of the organization. Yeah, I totally agree. And you're right. You know, it's like when people have their um, their company values on their website. And I think sometimes when you look at them, you're like, hmm, I wonder what the story is behind that value. Like, why do they value that? So I think it's it's pulling those things out, pulling out why you value something and why the mission is the way that the mission is. But I think this is one that we probably neglect a little more often than we should. Definitely. We go towards, I mean, I think about all of the leaders that that I was working with or speaking for or talking to over the past you know, 18 months and, and people who were having to lay people off or, you know, whatever it was. Um, I mean, let's face it, the, the, the last 18 months or however long it is once this airs were really tough. And, um, there were leaders who were having to deliver very difficult messages to people and groups of people that they really cared about. And there's a lot of talk right now about, you know, if there were to be another buzzword, um, authenticity, vulnerability, um, and those. You are preaching to the choir on that one. I, right? <laughs> I love the words and I love what they mean, but at the same time, I'm so like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and like, how do we do it and what does it actually mean? And storytelling in difficult times is is a perfect answer to that question where where you can share one of your own challenging stories and how you came through on the other side or the lessons that you learned um, to motivate and uplift and encourage your team. And I think that a lot of people in those difficult times uh, clam up, you know, and they, they, maybe they just give false, we're going to be great. Everything's going to be fine. We've got this. We're, you know, um, stories are a really incredible opportunity for any leader. Purpose stories are in, in those tough moments. Yeah, I agree. Um, okay. Let's talk about the last type. The last type is the customer story, which in some ways is a subset of the value story. Um, but it's where we go beyond the typical like four-star review and instead actually get um, a story from one of our customers, someone who was facing this problem or looking for the solution or frustrated with this or, you know, there had to be a better way. And then they found you and now all of these things are possible. Um, so the, the customer story is, is, has to be told by the customer, which is challenging, um, because it requires effort on behalf of the person in business, you know, who is serving the customer to go back and ask them and have the conversations and find out what that customer story is. Yeah. Um, so that's actually one thing that, you know, in my work, I help people do is get those testimonials out of people, but get them out of them in a way that's more meaningful and not just like, here's my Google review, you know, because, because once you have those words, you are essentially like, they're writing your social media for you. You know, they're writing your emails for you. They're sharing your podcast content for you because you have the exact words of what you do and how you help someone. It's really, really impactful. Yeah. Yep. I mean, if you can get them there, you should use them. 
Yes. I think it's a lot of it just comes from stepping outside of your comfort zone and making yourself like almost like forcing yourself to ask because people want to help you. They want to give you that feedback, but you have to be the one to put yourself out there and say like, okay, I need your help. Yeah. Yep, exactly. And to be able to ask um, questions that will lead to stories and not just answers. Yep. And there's a little bit of art to that. Yeah, agreed. Um, All right, so here's a a question for you, which might result in a story. After you wrote your first book, was your brain just kind of like going crazy with, oh my gosh, I wish I had added this, I wish I had added this, I wish I had added this, after you learned, like I'm sure you your knowledge just built on itself. Yeah. So if if that was the case, I'm I'm so guilty, I'm sorry, of like asking two questions in one. (laughs) But if that was the case, is that kind of what spurred you on to write a second book? Oh, that's a great question. So, yes, I – yeah, there was there was so much more that I wanted to say. And um, I had decided pretty early on that – because I was getting – I was getting stressed out about when I was trying to finish the book because, you know, you have a deadline – of when it's due and then you also have a a deadline in that or you know another requirement of how many words it's supposed to be in when you're writing a book it's not like how many pages um because we can you know we can all edit that put put bigger font bigger spacing whatever but it's like the word count um and I was having a hard time because the deadline was coming up and I just didn't know how I was physically going to write everything I wanted to write and meet the deadline and keep it within that word count range. Because again, there were just so many more things I wanted to say and it was just going to be too long of a book. So early on, I gave myself permission to write more books. And and it was just such a relief to be like, oh, I can put that in the next book. I can put that in the next book. So any ideas, I would just email to myself and I have a little label in my Gmail that's like next book. Um, so that took some of the pressure off. Interestingly enough, however, the second book um, that I just handed in the manuscript for, it... I was thinking my second book was going to be an expansion of the purpose story. Um, so to go more in depth about stories the leaders can tell and why and and in what scenarios and where to look for them to really take that story and go deep. But as I started sharing more and more about stories that stick and and sharing my keynote where I travel all over teaching people about storytelling, I realized that the that the audience was actually asking for something else. Um, they were seeing the application of stories in business, but also it was leading to ideas and thoughts about stories in life. And so even though I was planning to write a book about leadership, I decided to save that and kind of tack in a completely, not completely, but in a slightly different direction. So the next bo- book is all about the stories we tell ourselves. Oh, I love that. Like like limiting beliefs. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, it's just been, it, it was such a, and actually from a writing perspective, it was 
a really great thing to do because it was totally new. Um, and I felt really inspired the whole, I mean, it's, it's, it's painful and terrible and writing a book is, 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 is a miserable, wonderful experience, but I just, um, the content was so fresh and new and inspired that I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I am as excited for this book as I was for stories that stick, which had its own excitement because it was my first book. So I guess that means you have to do number three also, (laughs) but maybe get through this one first. Um, Now I'm like, well, stories that stick has four books, right? And then this new book is going to have five books that follow it. So I've got, I've got a lot of, I got a lot of writing to do, Emily. (laughs) Okay. So that is a question I want to ask you. Um, Do you prefer writing stories or speaking stories? Ooh, I have a really hard time with that. I really like doing both. Okay. The thing that Uh, that's fair. The thing that I don't like is taking, I have a hard time taking a story that I've written, like um, the opening story for stories that stick, that's all about that cologne, Eat and Bob. I wrote that story before I told that story. I hadn't told it live. I uncovered the story and was like, well, the story happened. And then I was working on the book and trying to find an opening story. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that time when, when Michael wanted to buy the cologne, but he hates cologne. Like, And so I wrote it. I'd never told the story. And then to take it from the book where it's written word for word exactly how I want it and then to put it up on a stage is really hard for me. So that's interesting because that exact story was one I was going to ask you about in this podcast interview. But as I was reading it, I was thinking this would be hard to translate on a stage, I think. Yeah. And I think because maybe it's because there were so many details um, that might've been it. I'm not sure, but yeah, I wonder if that, I wonder if it's like that for some stories, but not, you know, not all. And maybe for you, it comes starting writing it as a speech makes it easier than starting writing it in the book. I think that I know my storytelling mentor, Donald Davis. And so, you know, maybe this is a story I tell myself because he told me this story so many years ago, but he has, he was, a storyteller live um, on stages at storytelling festivals. Yes, they have those. He would travel 300 days a year going to different festivals and in-school programs and churches and all over telling stories. And then he started writing books, but it wasn't until his stories on stage were so he told him so many times. And of course, they're always fresh and always new because a new audience brings new energy to a story and it breathes life into it when you're delivering it live. But it wasn't until the story had pretty much been said word for word the same way, multiple, 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 multiple times, would he then write it into a book? Because if you put it in a book first, and this is exactly what happens for me, I, I, when I write in a book, like I choose every word, like I, it's like art to me. It's like, I'm, my fingers are the paintbrushes and every word is coming out exactly how I want it. And so, but to storytell on stage, you can't memorize something like it, it sucks the life right out of it. So 
But then as you're up there telling it, you're just judging yourself because you know it isn't written word for, it isn't told word for word the way you wrote it. It's a total mind bender. And you miss that joke, that yeah. pun that you had. Yes, I totally know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. So maybe now that I've had some space from it, I could go back and tell that story with more confidence. And it's also an interesting conundrum that I'm in right now, too, because I'm working on the keynote for the new book. And my husband's like, all the stories are right there. I'm like, yeah, but I can't go back and read them. I can't read them because if I read them, then that whole cycle, excuse me, that whole cycle starts and I won't be able to tell them on stage and I gotta find all new stories. <laughs> well, hopefully that gets resolved before you get on stage. Exactly. Gotta work on the story. I'm telling myself about that, I think. Okay. So I I you know what? I was gonna ask you a question about like like time management and family work life balance, yeah. which is which is a funny another buzzword. But I think instead I wanna pose the question to you like this. What does a day in the life look like? You know, you're an author, you're a speaker, you do trainings. What is a day in the life? Oh, man. See, that's one of the big challenges is that every day looks so different. Um, I would love it if all of my days looked the same. And I keep trying to manipulate my life and my hours and my time such that there is some sort of pattern. But every day looks different. So... One thing that does happen every day is I get up earlier than everybody else in my household, which is hard to do because for some reason lately, my son has been waking up at like 5.30 in the morning or it's hard to wake up before a kid who gets up at 5.30 in the morning. So Yeah, that wouldn't happen for me. (laughs) And I'm like, he's at the age where I can be like, no, I am not responsible for you until 7.30 in the morning. Go back to your room. Um, but I get up early because I like to have just a head start, just a couple hours to myself. Sometimes I now after working on this new book, really realizing the importance of journaling and capturing stories from the day, because you never know when you're going to use them. Um, I've been journaling, reading, and even getting some creative work done in the morning. I've tried all different times to do creative work and I can never, the early morning is the best for me. So, um, so that's something that happens every day. Most days I do get exercise in, um, not because I'm some like crazy exercise person, but I really, really, really love soul cycle. Um, it just makes me very happy to go there. So I go there so that I can be very happy or I go for a walk with a friend. So there's usually like some form of exercise. And then the rest of the day can be podcast interviews like this, uh, with so much, so many events being virtual for so long. Like before this, I did a virtual keynote for a big group in California, um, I'm doing a lot of conference calls for upcoming events. When I am traveling, I do a lot of traveling. When it comes to writing, however, this is something that I've learned um, over time is that I, if I'm going to be writing a book, I need to have nothing else on my calendar except writing. Um, because 
writing is such a easy thing to procrastinate. And if I have a conference call at 3 p.m. but I could write all morning, I will dawdle around until the 3 p.m. conference call and then be like, oh, now I should start writing. Um, so I've learned I have to block off a, a month or two. Uh, for the second book, I blocked off six weeks where I woke up in the morning and I wrote from 9 a.m. I took a break at noon, got a snack, wrote from 12.30 to 3, got a coffee, messed around a little bit, and then did dinner and then wrote again from like 6 to 10 if I could. Wow, that's a pretty aggressive writing schedule. I mean, I I write for a living, right? So you saying you saying you have to block off a month. I'm like, that would make me write my own book for sure. Exactly. <laughs> but like that's that's I don't even do that. And yeah. I'm and that's my job. So that's that's really aggressive. You're probably <laughs> a lot better at, at you're pro- probably a lot more disciplined um at writing since that is what you do right well so I think a lot of times for me and and maybe you can relate a little bit to this too is when I'm not feeling creative I if I just sit down and do something stupid kind of like social media posts um all of a sudden I start to get creative like creativity doesn't I don't I can't just like wait for it and I can't wait for inspiration I have to just like sit down do the thing and then suddenly I feel amazingly inspired and motivated yes (laughs) So. Maybe I just All right. a little more patient. Yes, maybe. <laughs> All right. So tell us um, the title of the new book and when it comes out. This podcast is actually going to be, I believe, three days after your pre-order if I get the details right. Oh, yay. Okay. So we are, the new book is called Choose Your Story, Change Your Life. Um, hold on. I have to grab the subtitle because I forget. I forget what it is. I want to get it right. Choose your story, change your life. Yeah, silence your inner critic and rewrite your life from the inside out. Oh, this is amazing. This is like totally up my alley. I will be first in line. I am so, I am so excited about it. So, yep, it's available for pre-order. It doesn't release until, it doesn't officially release. It won't be, books won't be in hands until January 11th, 2022. So 11122. Um, but if you do pre order, you can visit my website, which is chooseyourstorychangeyourlife.com and um, enter in your email and your mailing address. And I'll mail you a like a signature so that you can like put it in your book when it arrives. And then you'll be there for all the fun like pre order stuff that we're doing. Oh, that's awesome. That's a really nice touch. Yeah, I'm just so excited about I really am really excited about it. And it must feel so good to have that manuscript done. Yeah, I know. It's very, it was, it was intense, but I already am getting, I'm already starting to think about the next one. So I'll start writing that in next May. So about a year from now, I'll start writing it. I'll go into my two months. I'll go into my two month cove of science. Yeah. <laughs> That's imp- that really is impressive. Yeah. Um, all right. So just make sure you let us know the best ways to find and connect with you online. That's the book website 
uh, say that one more time and then also and your favorite way for people to contact you on social media. Yeah. So the book website is the same as the title. It's chooseyourstorychangeyourlife.com. Um, and then on social media, I'm most active. I mean, I'm always posting on Facebook and LinkedIn and Twitter, but I'm most active on Instagram myself. Okay. And that's just at Kendra Hall, right? That's right. Okay. Perfect. Um, well, thank you so much for this opportunity. And like I said, I'm going to be in first in line to get that book. Um, and I just really appreciate your time. Oh, thank you so much. Thanks for such great questions and I'm excited to hear the stories that your listeners tell. Thank you. To learn more about She Built This and to join our community and get involved for yourself, visit www.shebuiltthis.org.